Welcome to the Integrated Schools Podcast. I'm Andrew, a white dad from Denver. And I'm Courtney, a white mom from Los Angeles. And we are going to be your hosts for the Integrated Schools Podcast. Conversations about race, privilege, integration, parenting, school choices, you know, all that. Yeah, we're super excited about this project. We got a bunch of great episodes and we can't wait to share them with you. But to be honest, we are also a bit nervous. Yeah. Uh, Pretty intense topics and discussions that aren't always easy, but we know we need to have them. We know we need to share them. So, Courtney, why are we doing a podcast? (laughs) I don't really know. No, I think, you know, look, in doing the work around school integration, the ways that white families show up to integrating spaces into schools and choice and thinking about this is kind of the same everywhere. So I guess my hope with this podcast is that it's a place where we can have the, the conversations in a bigger way, right? So to give to give people who are thinking about this a way to engage with the topics and hear how other people have wrestled with them. But yeah, I'm super nervous. <laughs> there are all there's so many different places to step wrong here, you know, and I just feel incredibly vulnerable and I'm not gonna get everything right. I don't know. Why do you care about this, Andrew? So I grew up in a pretty diverse neighborhood in Denver, and I went to what I guess we would now call an integrating school. It was probably at the time 90 to 95 percent students of color, pretty high concentration of students living in poverty. And to this day, that experience was sort of, I look on it as one of the most formative of my life. It certainly wasn't always easy, but I'm really grateful for everything that I learned there about being a human being, I guess. Um so I always wanted a similar experience for my kids. I have a second grader and a four-year-old, and uh, we moved back to Denver a couple of years ago, and our kids are now in the actually the same school that I went to, which mm-hmm. um, in a sign of how little progress we've made as a society on integration looks very similar <laughs> to the way it looked when I went there. But you know, even, even with sort of my personal experience with it and the value that I placed on that, it was really hard to push back against the sort of common narrative around how people with privilege who get to make choices about school, how they should go about making those choices. We bought a house in a school boundary. Um, It's not the boundary for the school that my kids go to now, the school that I went to. It's in the boundary. We're sort of guaranteed a seat at a very highly sought after school. It's got high ratings. It's got good test scores. There's very little poverty. And the student population really looks nothing like the rest of the city. And we we paid a pretty high premium on our house to be able to live in that boundary. You know, I, I think that that school is really a symptom of a system that is is pretty similar everywhere you go in the country that allows white people to hoard limited resources, yep. that concentrates wealth, and by doing that, allows concentrations of poverty to exist at other schools in ways that we know make it much harder to equitably serve all of our kids. It contributes to race-based ideas about who can and can't learn or who does or doesn't value education. And and I think it contributes to a system that really denies an equal education to many of our most marginalized communities. I mean, I think in, in, in many ways, it's a symptom of a system that is sort of fundamentally at odds with our democracy. And let me be clear, this is not the fault of the people at that school or the leadership at that school. That school is just a symptom of a broader system that allows this. Mm-hmm. And, and and yet, even believing all those things, and I probably believe them more strongly now than I did a year ago, but but we sent our oldest to that school for first grade. Yeah. The way the choice system works here, we she either had to go there or basically lose her seat at that school. 
And we decided to send her. We felt like we couldn't risk it, whatever that means. Right. Risk. Risk oh, it. the risk. Right? Anyway, so after, after last year, she was there. It was fine. It's a school. There were issues. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible. But we, we did some real soul searching. We, we learned a bit more. We probably grew a bit more as people. And uh, we decided for second grade to send her back to the school I went to. And her younger sister is there too. And, and she's there now. And, and people think we are nuts yeah. to have given up our seat at the quote unquote good school. People think we're crazy. Yeah. But we felt like we had to make a choice that reflects our values. But, you know, but also that honestly we believe is the best choice for her. And at the same time, doesn't sort of continue perpetuating this system of inequality. Yeah. And so, you know, I came across integrated schools, uh, sort of delving into this, uh, these thoughts and thinking about what to do with our kids. And I saw all the great work that you guys have been doing, Courtney, for many years now. And, and I just felt like whatever way I can get involved, I wanted to, because I think that, that we're not going to fix the problem until the people with power change the narrative and change the way we talk about schools, about good schools and bad schools, about how you should go about making choices for schools. And so I guess, you know, my hope for this podcast is that it can be a, a small step towards rewriting that narrative to give people a different way to think about schools, to think about parenting, to think about these choices. You know, I, I, I look at the state of racial tension in our country and, and we know it didn't develop overnight. <laughs> and we know we're not going to fix it overnight. Yeah. But but it seems to me like it, it's the, the morally responsible thing to do is to stop contributing to it when you, whenever you can. Right. And, and then to, to do whatever we can in some small way to start chipping away at the problem. And so I guess if this podcast can play some role in changing that narrative, then, then I think it's worth doing. And I think it's worth putting ourselves out there in a sort of vulnerable way and having these hard conversations. That's nice. That's a good way of saying it. Thanks. What about you? Why, like, what does integrated schools exist? Why did you start it? Why do you care? I mean, so we moved into a neighborhood that is now over the past, I don't know, 10 years, become incredibly gentrified. And when my kids, who are now in middle and high school, when they were little, none of the white and or privileged parents I knew were even considering any of the local schools, like not even stepping foot in them to then say no. Right. Like it just wasn't mm -hmm. even on the list of consideration. So, you know, long story, super short, we sent our kids to a local school and did a lot of things wrong, yeah. right? I didn't know what I didn't know. And yet there are things that you should know when you show up in an integrating school. So if I were doing this all over again, there's just so much that I would have done really differently. So the hope with this organization is to talk with and as parents who are making these choices, right? Like why we should send our kids to integrating schools and how we can better show up and, and not you know, take over and all that. Right. I don't know. I have to say, Andrew, that I am weirdly optimistic about this, <laughs> you know, it's good. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's just kind of the fuel I need to keep going when it feels really, really hard. But the conversations that we're having as a nation now are so different than the conversations we were having when my kids were preschoolers and right. like for sure. And, and, and when integrated school started in what, 2015, the conversations we were having then are different than the ones we're having now. So I feel like, like we have this moment in time to actually dig in, in a really meaningful way. So I'm, I'm excited. 
terrified, totally terrified, but I'm excited. Yeah. Should we get into the first episode? Let's do it. All right. So what do we have for people today? So this first episode is the introduction to the podcast. It's um, it's a conversation I've, I had with Anna and Sarah, two moms who've kind of been there since the earlier days of integrated schools. And it's actually a conversation that we've had a billion times, <laughs> the three of us in various ways. But um, I think that you'll hear in their stories that, you know, a bit of the journey that they've been on and the kinds of things that they've been thinking about as they enrolled their kids in integrating schools. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's kind of all over the place, but I I also think that that's what this issue is, is sort of messy and everything needs to be said all at once, right? And and over and over again. <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, I feel like I, it's like it's you have to have these conversations and you have to have them many times because it's a long journey and so I mean, I think that this conversation that everyone's about to hear is a really great conversation. I think it sets the stage for for what integrated schools is hoping to achieve and and why it exists. And uh, you know, I'm I'm excited for people to hear it. I think people will also hear that we are not a um, fancy podcasting company. We've got speaker phones. We've got crappy connections. Text messages bursting in mid sentence. Yeah, and, and and you know, we're just parents with zero podcasting skills <laughs> talking with other parents who aren't used to doing this kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully the content can make up for some of the lacking production values, but we hope you all let us know what you think. We're on Twitter at integrated schools and Facebook as well. Um, you can email us hello at integrated schools.org. We'd love to hear from you. If you like the episode, share it, uh, leave us a review, subscribe. Uh, we've got some really great conversations that we've already recorded that are going to be coming down the pike pretty soon and, uh, more conversations to have. So yeah, and I'll just say also, if you if you have a topic that you'd like us to address, let us know. And if you have a story that you'd like to share, please let us know. Definitely. And now on with the show. I'm Courtney. My kids are 15 and 13, and they attend a big public school in Los Angeles where they are the only or one of a tiny handful of white kids in the school. Hi, I'm Anna. Uh, I have a six and a half year old daughter and a almost three year old son. Uh, my son is still in preschool and my daughter is in first grade at a public school in our area. Uh, and she is also one of a, a very, very small handful of white students I'm Sarah. Um, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. This is their second year at a school where they are also in a handful of white kids in a predominantly Latinx school. Um, Sarah, don't you also have another kid? I do. <laughs> I also have a three-year-old. Right? I know. I, I never know how to talk about her because she's not in school. But yes, three-year-old is in preschool. Okay, but there's also more to your story, which is that you moved schools. Yes, we did move. Um, my eldest and for a year, my middle were at a highly sought after magnet school in HISD that we left after lots of soul searching for lots of reasons. Um, but at the top of the list was definitely prioritizing integration and understanding. It was a journey for us, understanding 
how we were contributing to the problem as white parents in a you know large urban public school system and how what, how are we participating and contributing to that problem ourselves um so you know we'd like to introduce the integrated schools podcast woohoo and i think you know it's kind of important to talk about what integrated schools does and why we exist at all I don't know, the national landscape of how white people talk about schools is pretty similar across the country, even though our districts look really different, whether they're magnets or charters or whatever, but how white people interact with this stuff is really the same. But I guess I want to sort of punt to the two of you. Why do you think integrated schools needs to exist? I'd like to jump in and say, you know, when I first got involved with integrated schools. I was, I mean, I was so desperate to find someone to tell me that I wasn't actually crazy or going to harm my children by just showing up at a school that all of my neighbors told me was unacceptable for their children, but couldn't tell me why. And, and many of them hadn't actually been to it or seen it or knew anyone that actually went there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt like I was having like an Alice in Wonderland moment where I was like, I don't know fantasy from reality. Like, well, I mean, I think basically in a lot of ways, at least for me, putting, choosing to put my child into a school, like Anna said, that everybody would tell you not to, or not even that, just like not even know that it exists because it's not on any white people's radar anywhere you know, I had to unlearn a lot of what I feel like modern parenting has taught me, you know, a lot of what our culture teaches you about parenting and that a lot of times it's swimming upstream. I mean, on the one hand, it seems really simple and some days it is really simple, but lots of days it's hard and lots of days it makes for awkward conversations on the playground um, or at the birthday party or wherever. And also we have a lot of racism and classism to work through as a group if we're going to show up with respect and humility in these schools. You know, I know I did. And so, yeah, like... I still do. You know, Courtney, you you know, you gave me the words, like white people have made a mess of our schools and segregation. And we all know that segregation is a huge problem. And I think integrated schools is absolutely an attempt at us taking responsibility for that and kind of starting with our own houses and our own kids first. And it's, it's hard work. It is hard work. Yeah. Sarah put it really eloquently. I think the complicated nature of white people working out their own bias, racism, institutionalized years of classism and racism is something that is, it really does need to be addressed you know, so, so in many ways, integrated schools champions the idea of just showing up. But I think we also know that like just showing up, it can do a lot of harm. So this space is created as a way to address those issues and figure out how to show up smart and how to show up humble and how to show up as a listener and how to show up as an ally versus how to show up as a colonizer. We've raised now a couple of generations of people who think it's their job 
to get every last fancy thing that they can for their kid. When you grow up having, having that as part of the air that we're breathing, I think that's contributed to the problem. We've not talked about integration. We've certainly not talked about race and inequities. And we've shaped the whole conversation and what can you get? And, you know, and we wonder why we are where we are. Well, we haven't, at least it's very rare that anyone will come out and speak publicly about the value of it. I mean, our, our, our leaders aren't doing it. We aren't doing it because it's not, it's not something communally that we hold as a value, period, end of story. <laughs> like, and so until it is something that's valued, it doesn't, it just, it goes unaddressed and the system keeps on. And I think, you know, white people have opted out of integration at every step. Exactly. In every possible way. We have, you know, gone to gluten-free charter schools. We have gone to private schools. We have, you know, un- and homeschooled our kids. We have moved to suburbs or white concentrated places. We gain the system so that we get into the white and privileged segregated schools. We have undermined policy at every turn. We have seceded districts from larger districts so that we could have a whiter district. We have brought lawsuits to challenge Brown v. Board in lots of places. I mean, in every, and you know, and and we're not even talking about the busing protests, right? Like in every way, we've undermined the efforts of school integration, half-hearted as they might have been, we've undermined it all. And then, you know, that's, that's also, you know, not acknowledging too who our policymakers are, are largely white parents. And so we are the they that aren't doing brave policy. And, and I think we've done all of that and then subsequently created narratives around justifying why it was necessary and not about race. That's like, right. I think there's a layer over this to, to be able to separate the intent from the impact or the impact from the intent by the misappropriation of like, evidence-based research, right? Where we're talking about like unschooling or the student of the 21st century and, oh, like we don't want robot kids. I know I'm going off on a tangent, stay with me here. But like all the things I hear about when parents are talking about why the curriculum or the behavior charts or the systems in place aren't adequate at public schools, like there's all sorts of different language used to describe why the system isn't good enough. And like all of this fear-based things you hear about the dangers of public school or the dangers of global majority schools or low-income schools or whatever, we're able to divorce ourselves from the acknowledgement that it's race-based in order to continue to justify as like a someone who is now, you know, living in 2018 following the Black Lives Matter Instagram account. So the social politics of the day can still separate themselves by saying like, oh, you know, system isn't set up for any kids, so I'm not going to invest in it at all. Right. We have a whole, I mean, and that's also partly why when you do start engaging parents about it. White parents. Right, white parents. You have to be really careful. I mean, 
they don't think they're talking about race. And so trying to tell people, no, you actually are when you don't think you are. And, you know, all the layers of that, it's just, it's lots of white fragility to work through. And so they're, they're tricky conversations. If you ask, if your goal is for people to actually hear you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's not too tricky if you just want to yell for a while. Right. I mean, if it's just scorched earth, then that's, that's plenty easy. But if you're actually trying to get people to hear you, white people to hear you. Right. There's lots of layers to work through. Okay, so I keep wanting to back up, and I feel like that's part of the problem with talking about school integration in the way that we are, is everything sort of has to come first, and I never, it's like, where do you begin? Because they all are related to so many other things. Okay, so I think the first is, like, let's reevaluate our roles and responsibilities as parents of children with privilege in whatever way that presents itself and, and talk about what it means to like throw your access to power and trust and support to a highly segregated school. But I also think it's like the work of integrated schools is also so much about not just showing up, but like showing up, in a way that aggressively pushes back against the white supremacy framework and cultures that are inherent within schools in general, but especially inherent within highly segregated schools, who have been doing, most of them have been doing the excellent work of educating students without white people around for decades and showing up as listeners as learners and as allies and not as colonizers right so like that is a huge education piece for parents that's a piece that I am still learning as I go is like how to be a better listener how to be a better advocate we are trying to raise a generation of kids to think differently than the way we were raised to think right and this is one absolutely tangible way that's important to me that my daughter understands her equalness and her humanity to others who may be very different from her. Right. I mean, I think that, I think that one of the interesting things about what we're doing is we're really not talking about bringing, you know, five black kids into our school and being nice about it. Right. Or, you know, the goal of integration is really about white parents making the choice to enroll in global majority schools. That, so that's it. I mean, I think that's it. We have to redefine it. Integration can't be on the backs of black and brown people like it was in the 70s and 80s. And when you hear the stories from that time, it's no wonder that sometimes when you start engaging on integration with people of color, adults of color, they look at you like you're crazy. It wasn't a pleasant experience. So mm-hmm. uh, I, think, I do think we have to be really careful when we say the word integration to define what that means. And I think 
Courtney, I mean, I'll never forget the first time reading Integrated Schools websites. You put it very straightforwardly and it has stuck with me. Like white people made a mess of this. Yeah. Our responsibility to clean it up. So white parents, here's the piece that you can control, right? You, it's really hard, right? I mean, and I, I've done some of this, right? It's really hard to get the policy changes. And Courtney, you've always been clear about this with me. Like, Maybe that stuff will happen eventually, but we have a lot more control as parents on an individual level with what we do with our kids in a lot of ways that is, there's a lot of power in them that we don't own um, a lot of the time or that we just ignore and think about what's best for our kids. If, if you really ponder that question of, okay, as a people, white people have made, have created this problem, how do we fix it? then the logical answer is, you know, putting your kid in a global majority school, as you said. And that's, you know, and that's maybe not going to fix it, right? But what it, but it is going to stop contributing. It's a start. So long in our country, it has been the job of global majority parents, of immigrant parents, of low-income parents to fight the fight for equity in education Whereas white parents and middle-class parents have always had a way to sidestep that um, and not had to do the work. And so this is a space where we can encourage parents to do the work and to do it right. Or at least better. <laughs> or at least better. Yeah, the, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I'm also uncovering, every day uncovering thoughts and ideas and actions that do not align with my values that I have been raised with that have come from generations of institutionalized racism and classism that I have to untangle. And I'm not willing to not be in this space because I want to be a learner and I want to be an ally. I want to give democracy its chance. And I think that's what we're trying to do with the promise of public schools is give, give actual equal opportunity a chance. And, and I think it's not complicated but it's very, very hard. There you go. And I think without the mutual understanding and sort of shoulder to shoulderness that we get to have through integrated schools, digitally, through um, community meetings, through the blog, through the Facebook group is to, because for me in my neighborhood, these ideas, it, it can be a very lonely space. Yep. And here's the other thing I'll say, the people in my neighborhood who I'm used to socializing with, the biggest thing that was my eyes were open to when we made the decision to attend our school and integrate into the school in our community was that there was a, a whole population of people that I never interacted with at the park, you know, at the grocery store. And those were my own horrible demons to uncover and discover. But our community in our school is very rich with culture, ideas, passion, dedication, you know, to parenthood, to education they were there and they've always been there. But like the experience has been a, you know, an absolute wealth of experience and relationship building, but it's, it goes so much against the like horrible years of classism that came before me that was like, oh, I have to find other, you know, like you were saying, the culture of the playground is like find the other white middle-class parents and figure out where their kids are going and those, you know, code that coded language that doesn't lead to good citizenship, actually. I mean, it's really personal for me. I mean, it took us a year to decide to move the kids. I mean, some of that, what was understanding was how the money flowed in our district and how, 
you know, kids sitting in a magnet school were getting all this extra money, you know, then white and affluent families will always figure out how to do it, right? Whether it's moving into the zone, you know, testing into a school and and studying to to pass the test, like white and affluent families always find a way. So then those families get concentrated and then you get PTOs that raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. While meanwhile, most schools in Houston don't even have a PTO. So I think once we kind of started, my husband and I, to peel back the veil and see how the system was actually working, I mean, we were losing sleep about how are our kids who have two parents with advanced master's degrees who, you know, if you really believe all the research that's out there are going to be fine based on their, you know, their race and their class, no matter where we put them, then how can we suck resources out of a system for kids that don't need it? And, and also, how can we be credible advocates in the public sphere, which is kind of what we've become over the past couple of years in Houston, when we're doing this? You can't. I mean, you can, but it's really easy for somebody to come along and say, well, well, of course, you know, look at them. They've got their kids at the, you know, one of the fancy magnet schools. And so we, we did move them. And, and, and I can tell you very plainly, like, both there's nothing to be afraid of and it was a great experience that I don't regret, but also there are, there are differences in the schools for sure. It, you know, I, I think if you're really going to fight for equity, it's not that you can't do it from the magnet school or from the private school. I will say it's a lot harder and you're a lot more informed when you have skin in the game. Why did you decide to call it integrated schools? A lot of people bristle at that. Can you tell us more about why why you've stuck with it? Yeah, I, I mean it's a question we get a lot, right? And you know we've talked about it. I just feel like we keep hiding, and as white people, we we good fit our way out of talking about race, right? We magnet our way away from talking about integration. We do all the things except actually talk about the thing. And when we're not talking about integration, we're not talking about integration. And I think that we need to grapple with the terrible stories of, you know, how desegregation has gone awry in our history. I think we need to like face the busing protests and what it means to be related to white moms who throw Coke bottles at little kids walking into buildings. We need to own all of that. And, and, you know, having some kind of like white, black, brown hands, holding hands, all hug.org <laughs> just, <laughs> just felt like, you know, it's cuddlier, but. You were selling out. I just felt like we needed to be brave about it. Yep. I'm just really sick of all of the damn euphemisms. Yep. I think once you get the veil pulled back, you can't unknow it. You can't unknow it. And I also think that the people who are going to show up to a conversation about integrated schools, those are the people we would, you know, who, who aren't maybe so afraid of it to even say the words out loud. Those, those would be the people we would want to start showing up, right? If we wanted to call this opportunity hoarding schools, then we would get people who'd be like, down. Yeah, I'm down for opportunity. Hurry, I'm going to do that. 
right? So like, hopefully this is drawing in the people who can show up in a way without colonizing, or at least are adjacent to it and can start thinking about it and want to be reflective about it. If you're not brave enough to, to say, to even say the words, then, then you need to go do some more work first. It's not never, but go do some more work first. Yeah, maybe it's that. One of the things that's been really interesting over the years of, of doing this work with integrated schools is, you know, it's both daunting and terrifying as well as a place of opportunity. <laughs> but uh, the, the conversations are the same everywhere, right? So the conversations the three of us have had, you know, talking with people in Philadelphia, in Nashville, in Minneapolis, in Seattle, it, it, it's the same kinds of conversations. And so the hope for this podcast, right, is to, is to sort of record some of these conversations. <laughs> so you don't have to have them 20 times. You still have to have them 20 times because everybody, because everybody is terminally unique. And I was the same way. Like, you don't understand my case is different. My child doesn't eat non-organic food. You don't understand <laughs> my case is different, you know. I'm special. No, how many times, Courtney, have you told me, right? What's going on in Houston and they're different than LA. And we, oh, we had that problem five years ago. And I'm like, oh, no, I know it's worse here. I know it is. There's, I think we all have suffer. I like that you're calling it, what did you call it? Terminal. Terminal uniqueness. Terminal uniqueness. I was calling it white exceptionalism. Yeah. No, that is all equally as good. Both yeah. are equally as, as terrifying. Appropriate. Like it's it's fine for you, or it would be okay if my kid weren't so shy, or if our district weren't such a mess, or if you know I had you know more spoke Spanish or whatever you know, like whatever it is. It's always good for the person, the other person, and not for me. Yeah. <laughs> right. But you know. It, I also feel like these are conversations like like you were saying that you just kind of have to keep having because I can talk about this all day and all night and I'm still going to learn more things from each of these conversations. Well, that's a generous way of looking at it. But you actually, <laughs> white people just need someone to tell them like, no, you're not special and your kid's going to be fine. And they need to be told that like, yes, you can tell your story and that's fine. But the answer is still your kid's going to be fine, you know, which is why, which is why in one of integrated schools, new projects, right. Is the parent to parent program. Cause we recognize that. I mean, yeah, the lie. I mean, the lies that our culture tells us it takes time and we do need handholding. White people are fragile. We are. Yeah. I think that, I think that for, for thinking about the utility of a podcast like this, Think back to when you guys were making these decisions or the many, many, many conversations that the three of us have had. What do you think the topics are that in a grade schools podcast should cover? What if, I mean, what if this school really is bad? What if it really is bad? Then what? Right. What if I don't like it? I don't want my kid to be the only one white kid. How to have conversations with other people about it. What do I tell people? What do I tell my family? Yeah, the social cost, right, of making this choice. Yeah. Whether it's your mother-in-law, you know, freaking out that you're abusing your children. What was it, Anna, that people were saying to you, one of your friends said that? It's like, I feel like what you're doing is asking people 
to light their children on fire to keep other people's children warm. What? Oh my God. Well, you know, maybe for elementary school, I'll think about an integrating school, but middle school, that's where stuff gets hairy. Yep. Like literally and figuratively. Okay, here we go. Like when to stand up at school, when to have a conversation with a teacher Because I think in doing this right, you know, I have personal values and like, at what point do I let go of many thanks to Pinterest and I'm both, you know, being facetious and being serious for all of these, like, be a better parent by caring about these 10 things, right? Genetically modified food, homework, screen time, (laughs) Uh, violence, uh, you know, like, right. You know, no timeouts, right. Like there are all of these things being an ed, well-educated parent, well-educated on parenting and wanting to do it right. And reading the research because HuffPost parents says that homework's bad for kids. Right. So then I have to go and find the school that doesn't do homework. So so I think there are all of these things that I have internalized as things that I, that I hold, you know, like as important, but then being able to sort of set those aside is, it's not something that is easy to do. You know, it's not complicated, but it's very difficult to feel like I, you know, my, my daughter does have homework, like, and yes, they are worksheets. This is not like take a walk with your parents and point out all the things that start with B. It's like, no, write the letter B a hundred (laughs) times. And like, oh my God, is that going to kill her love of learning? Is that, am I failing as a well-educated parent, well-educated on parenting? My, like my, my lived experience, right, is always less terrifying than my fears of the future. So, Courtney, run down. How do you feel? Um, terrified. Excited. <laughs> excited. I'm excited. Yes. And I am um, I'm just profoundly grateful to all the people who are kind of on this journey together. And it's, it's great. Like you, Andrew. Thank you. Um, big thanks to our guests today, Anna, Sarah, and of course, Courtney, and to Kevin Casey for our music. Thank you, Kevin. Um, please get in touch with us and let us know what you thought. Uh, Twitter at Integrated Schools, Facebook, or email us at hello at integratedschools.org. See you next time. Mm-hmm.